Mackenzie. And I'm Kira. Just for I'm Mackenzie and Kira. <laughs> So today we're very excited to have Louisiana Purchase joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So excited to be here. So most recently people will know you from competing on season three of the Boulay Brothers Dragula, but you are originally from Austin, Texas? Yeah, yeah I'm originally, I was born and raised in Louisiana, hence the name, <laughs> I've lived. <laughs> I've lived in Austin for the past eight years. Oh, wow. What is the scene like there? In my head, Texas is like too far south to have anything good, which I know isn't true. But we're in Virginia, and that already feels like too far south for us. So like, right? Um, Austin, you know, each you know major city in Texas has its own kind of drag: Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, El Paso. But Austin has everything from like. Miss Continental high pageant drag all the way down to like little like punk shows, you know, the punk drag shows that, you know, DIY shows that happen at the Divius bars. It's everything and anything in between. It's one of my favorite drag scenes. Yeah. And I've traveled all over the US. And I think the thing that I love about it the most is the camaraderie mm-hmm. that the drag performers. Um, have in the city yeah I knew that the obviously the international drag Austin thing was there but that's like the only thing I knew yeah yeah but is Austin just like ginormous how does it fit no Austin Austin kind of Austin began as like a really sleepy like college town Mm -hmm. and then you know and then the the tech bust, I guess. I don't know anything about that kind of shit. But uh, <laughs> the, the, the tech bust comes, and then, you know, we become one of the largest growing cities in the United States. Mm. Um, we have the largest per capita, like, people who move here per day. Um, so that in of itself, the influx of people, you know, in the thousands of people, you know, there's there's a few drag performers that pop out. So it always seems like there's someone new coming up, which is exciting to watch. Um, but yeah, it's we kind of are like a scene that celebrates itself. We're very much into the drag that the other drag performers in the city do. We celebrate each other when any, we are in each other's shows. We go out to see each other's shows. We hang out outside of drag. And I know other cities do that, but I think that's something that's really special to Austin. So how did you get your start in drag there? Oh, wow. Okay, so <laughs> I turned six on October 18th. I've been Happy doing birthday. drag for a little while. Thank you. Uh, Louisiana's a Libra, so there you go. Um, but yeah, I started six years ago. Um, I went to go see a drag troupe here in Austin called Poo Poo Platter, and it was the first time I had ever seen anything other than it was my very first drag show. It, it was, it, it was, uh, you know, I had seen wig stock and movies like that that mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. But it was my very first live drag experience. And to say I was blown away is an understatement. Um, I laughed, like I cried, like was grossed out. It was like <laughs> everything everything I wanted. And um, so that following October, 
uh, I bugged the show producer who was my boyfriend and is now my husband. <laughs> um, uh, I begged him to let me in the show, and he was like, "You've never done drag. You've never, you've never been on stage." I'm like, "I promise I'll be good." <laughs> and after much begging, he said yes, and that was my very first drag performance, and. I absolutely hated it. I hated everything about it. Um, I felt so out of control, um, you know, because I'm very much like a type A, mm-hmm. like, perfectionist. And so, yeah, I was like, I don't think I want to do this. And then <laughs> December rolled around. A friend asked me to be in their number, and the bug bit me. I, like, I something changed within that month or so, and I just really loved it, and you know, told myself, hey, you may not do drag like everyone else, but just do your own thing and it'll be fine, Mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of started like that. Well, we're glad that you stuck it out. (laughs) Yay, me too. (laughs) So if you've only been performing for six years, have you always been working creatively? Yeah, I was, I went to art school and where I studied, um, illustration and also had a minor in music and uh i had done visual art for quite a few years and sold pieces and got to show in galleries and i really thought that that was going to be the path for me but uh when i discovered drag everything else like fell to the wayside like nothing else mattered in my life besides drag Mm -hmm. Were you in a band? I was <laughs> a long time ago. We did a little um, digging. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but yeah. But I only saw that smart. once, so I was like, did, did somebody make that up, or is that real? But Y'all, awesome. y'all are very, very smart. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I played, you know, I studied music, and so I played music for a few years. And uh, maybe, uh, maybe on my, you know what, on my Instagram stories, to, you know, if you want to hear my music... I'll put a link to the last record I made Do it. and, uh, and it's a free download. Uh, so if you're listening to this, go and follow me. And, uh, yeah. It's a plug. It's a goddamn plug. Um, but yeah, no, I'll post the album actually. Yeah. Yeah. I play music, love playing music with my friends and, you know, doing visual art, but, it was kind of one of those things where it's something that you love to do, but like deep down inside you knew that like, is this for me? Is this like what I really want to be doing with mm-hmm. my life? And like I said, drag happened. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. Because it encompasses everything. It's fashion, it's music, it's performance. You know, it, yeah. it's, it has no, and the thing that's great about it, that, and that I love it so much, is it, the possibilities are never ending. Just, you know, it is. I'll get really stoned and just think about like, oh my God, there's like so many things you can do in drag. And it just like, it makes me happy that I'm a drag artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who were like visual artists and illustrators who become drag queens because you can make your illustrations like become real life. Just another medium to use to express that. Yeah. 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 That's exactly what attracted me in the first place is like, you know, as a queer child growing up, you know, we we don't have a lot to look at. Well, especially whenever I was really, really young, mm-hmm. we didn't have any kind of like representation or like any kind of characters to gravitate towards. So I always 
was gravitated. I was gravitated towards the um, like female villains in comic books. They were my favorite. Mm-hmm. And and then in time, I just you know Louisiana Purchase is like the ultimate character that I get to design and change on any whim. You know, like how fun is that? It's like a living doll, but that <laughs> is yourself. Yeah, that you get to create this character and live this whole other like existence, you know, because in reality, you know, Louisiana Purchase doesn't exist really. Um, but having people, you know, at shows come up to me and like, I don't know the it, it's, it's the fans and the people that make her real. How would you describe Louisiana and like what you built as a whole? Like, how would you describe your drag? You know, uh, I've been asked this question a lot and it always is like the hardest question to answer, but it's funny since Dragula is kind of become a little bit more succinct for me Mm -hmm. and I definitely view you know Louisiana is like the Marilyn Munster of drag you know Mm -hmm. she's very outwardly beautiful and inside really creepy she's she's you know like a demonic femme fatale you know she's the queen of hell Mm -hmm. and and that's kind of I I imagine her as this most glamorous like sexy uh you know strong but also very like vulnerable and giving, uh, you know, like seductress, and 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 that kind of is just like her in a nutshell. You know, she's she's like I said, she's a femme fatale. And like, uh, who are your biggest inspirations, or like, what are your biggest inspirations when you're like developing uh, that character? I have a lot of muses. Um, uh, Joey Arias, who, if the kids out there don't know who Joey Arias is joey is in wigstock the movie wigstock mm-hmm. and is to, to call joey arias mm-hmm. a legend is like doing them a disservice check out joey arias okay. um dita von Teese, i love um <laughs> my friend kat von d is a muse of mine um vampira yeah is one of my biggest muses um i have her tattooed on my leg that actually kat von d gave me the tattoo <laughs> and um it's it's my favorite tattoo that I have, and yeah, she's an endless inspiration for me. Just like so, kind of like stoic and beautiful, but like so evil too. You know, she's mm-hmm. great. Um, I love like '30s and '40s comic book villainesses. Like they're really just like glamorous villainesses that half the time in the comic books, all they really wanted was to like steal a man or steal jewelry. That's all they ever really <laughs> wanted. But you know, I can respect that. I can respect that, but. But yeah, and then, you know, I draw a lot of inspiration from music. Um, one of my favorite musicians is my friend Chelsea Wolf. Uh, she's fantastic, and I've performed her music a lot. Um, another band called Boy Harsher, who are um, friends of mine, and I've done their music a lot. You know, it, it's kind of all across the board. You know, I like to watch movies, read books, read comics, listen to music to get inspired. And, you know, I find a new muse every, you know, every couple of months, it seems. Uh, there's a great, I want to mention her specifically because I want kids to follow her because I think she's awesome. I do a lot of burlesque and I'm hugely inspired by burlesque. And one of my favorite um, burlesque performers is uh, Marie Devilrow. And I think it's spelled D-E-V-I-L-R-O-U-X. You can find it on the Instagram. Type in stuff and it'll pop up. But she's an amazing burlesque performer, and I I love her a lot as well. 
Um, I also follow her. I think one of her other accounts, if you can't find that, is Dressed to Kill You. If I'm... Yes, that, that's her handle. If they can't find... Is that what, yeah, okay. No, I say she is amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, her aesthetic, like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, ah, uh, I love it. I'm, like, jealous of all of her looks, like, in the best way possible. I'm like, ah, she looks fabulous. <laughs> I love that you mentioned so many of the people that inspire you are your friends. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really inspired by, you know, the work that my friends are doing. And I do a lot of work with them, and I'll continue to do a lot of work with them, and it's exciting for me because it takes me out of that, you know, kind of night to night, just like a bar or club scene where, you know, you're just kind of like endlessly performing. Not that I don't love it because I love being on stage more than anything, but it's a nice change of pace, you know, to work on like a music video or like a photo shoot or music with someone because um, I do have more music coming out. Uh, I think this is the first time I've like, really publicly kind of talked about it but i'm making yeah (laughs) i'm making an album with um my good friend uh a musician here in austin called mr kitty and i'm making i play the theremin for those of you who don't know what a theremin is it's like the skinny instrument that has two poles and you control it with your hands you hear it in 50s sci-fi movies a lot. <laughs> but but um, I'm making an electronic theremin album with Mr. Kitty. That's going to be really fun. No, buy this single on iTunes. You're not going to hear a club remix, I promise. <laughs> uh, it's going to be something really atmospheric and fun. We're going to try to release it like around Halloween this upcoming year. Uh, but yeah, it's just something like kind of atmospheric for you to put on and just like go about your day or like have like a Halloween party too or something like yeah definitely not no club bops coming out of my mouth at all I promise well don't dismiss the possibility (laughs) that's true that's true you know I might get stoned enough one day and record a club bop there you go (laughs) or we could just play it in the club and it's a club bop there you go why not and then it definitely it becomes a club bop (laughs) this is something I just personally wanted to ask you um, going back to kind of the the people that you said inspire you and your aesthetics and like building off of like femme fatales and vampire I just want to know what you think about um, why so many queer people are attracted to horror and like the popularity of Dracula and especially pairing it with glamour the way that yeah. you do and the way that so many of like the iconic femme fatales do yeah it- Exactly. Um, I think queer people are drawn to horror because horror celebrates. It's all about the outcast. It's all about the feared. It's all about the unknown. And we as queer people walk through this world, you know, for as many steps forward as we make. We're still, we're still, we're still behind. Like, I mean, not even just talking about like how how hard, completely exhaustingly hard it is for um, trans people, POC trans people, just POC queers in general. Um, we still have a huge section of our community that's been, you know, pretty much you know left behind. Uh, they don't nearly have the rights that they need or deserve. So, you know, we will always have that scarlet letter of outcast. 
and it's something that I kind of wear with pride. I know a lot of queer people are proud to be an outcast. I don't want to be part of the day-to-day, like, mundaneness of, like, vanilla, middle-of-the-road <laughs> life. I don't want to be a part of that. They can have it. But that's what draws queer people to horror, I think, is the, you know... We, we as queer people have all been kind of like hurt in some way, shape, or form and like wanted to get back at our aggressors and like what better way to take that out than in horror films. Who doesn't want to be the villain sometimes yeah. and just like wreak havoc. Um, and I love pairing it with glamour because it's like, it comes from my art background. Some, you know, sometimes I just want something to be beautiful and there's nothing wrong with just wanting to be beautiful as an aesthetic like if you can take it to a place that's like really glamorous and kind of like all your own and like the top you know as best as you can make i think there's something really beautiful in someone who takes the time and take and 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 the detailing of something really glamorous and then to use that to kind of like decorate a really like spooky you know present inside yeah i am like all for that i love mixing two disparate elements beauty horror you know mm-hmm. it, it's 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 it really excites me and it still excites me to kind of work within that um you know that kind of mindset of like beauty and horror and then finding power in that and then finding power in that exactly that and also you know as as queer people we're not you know we deal with like body issues. We deal with self-esteem. We deal with self-confidence because it's something a lot of the times we've had to build ourselves. It's something that we've had to pull out within ourselves and, you know, become our own cheerleaders and, and yeah. And being in drag and knowing that I'm beautiful. Cause I think I'm, ex- I think I'm completely beautiful. I think every drag performer, <laughs> you know, I think any drag drag artist that goes out on stage and is open and is is bringing themselves to the stage I think they're beautiful you know um but yeah when I'm on stage I'm a goddess I am like a a a literal you know I am my fantasy come to life so of course I think I I am I am I am a goddess on stage (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone who like has the guts to go on stage and tell their story is amazing. Yeah, I wish that everybody felt that way. Um, and how would you describe your performance style, like overall? Because we've seen a very wide range of yeah. performances from you, from like the burlesque that you, we saw you at Bushwick LA, and you did this burlesque number, and it was really beautiful. But then also like bingo and uh shoving a crucifix up your ass i'm just so intrigued (laughs) (laughs) yeah my performances so yeah i like to basically my thing as a drag artist i like to service a song obviously the song has inspired me enough to build a performance around it Mm -hmm. so i want to like so the crucifix in the ass, I do it to personal Jesus. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't think I've made any secret on my social media. You know, I am not a Christian by <laughs> any, uh, any stretch of the imagination. I'm a card-carrying Satanist. Yes, 
Yes, indeedy. Uh, just to show you, see, Satanists are very sweet, nice people. We're, we're good people. Um, but, um, yeah, I, you know, put a crucifix in my ass, and it basically, you know, I was raised very religious, and it's just a really, um, uh, a very bold way of, like, taking power over the way religion made me feel growing up. Um so there's always a deeper meaning in everything, no matter how kind of like, it's the same thing. I do um, a witch hag look once a year for Halloween. I did it um, when I performed with the Boulay brothers in Boston for the Dragathon. Um, and I am this saggy boobed, saggy bellied, mm-hmm. hook nosed, half balding uh, witch hag. And I come out and I do a performance to Vanity Six's Nasty Girl. And I do like a complete stripper routine and it kind of, I'm at my, like, you know, you look at it like aesthetically, I'm, you know, some people would think I'm like a really ugly witch, but I just find that, you know, again, that kind of subversive, I'm really haggard looking on the outside, but inside I'm like this, you know, amazing fucking stripper that's like (laughs) hot as fuck and I'm gonna, you know go out there and show you what's what. So, yeah, I like taking, you know, disparate elements in my numbers. But, yeah, I love burlesque. I love being really glamorous and beautiful. I love my favorite song to perform in burlesque is Lana Del Rey's Black Beauty. I am a huge fucking Lana Del Rey fan. Like, love you, love you, Lana. My dream gig, and I'm going to say it so that I manifest this into the world. I've opened for a lot of my favorite artists. I've opened for Orville Peck. Um... Uh, recently he's the most recent one I've opened for but like love so many musicians and my dream is to open for Lana Del Rey and I'm going to make it happen god damn it well Lana is a listener so (laughs) Lana (laughs) let me open for you in Austin, Texas (laughs) I love to do gross things I love to do really pretty things I love to do really sad numbers emotional numbers um you know, any chance to get to be vulnerable on stage and in any number that I do, I'm vulnerable, whether I'm being like really powerful and sexy, um, or being, you know, really creepy or, you know, sad, what have you, there's a level of vulnerability there where I'm being really open with my audience. And I think that's, that's the thing I love the most. Mm -hmm. So when you're creating a number from like concept to stage, do you start with the song or do you start with how do you go about it? It, it? it usually will get kicked off by a look and an idea, mm-hmm. and I'll search for a song to fit it, or I'll be listening uh, to Apple Play or Spotify or whatever, and I'll hear a song and immediately be like, oh, my God, what's that? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then go with it. I've also had fans suggest songs. And actually, one song that I do a lot uh, is called Diamond Veins. Um, I got a friend, a, a fan suggested it to me uh, through DM. He hopped in my DM and was like, you should do this song. And I listened to it and I was like, oh, shit, I should. <laughs> <laughs> so do you design your own costumes? Your own so costumes? my costumes, um, well, for example, like all the costumes on Dragula uh, that I wore, mm-hmm. I... Uh, sketch those out 
Um, I don't sew. Um, I can remedi- remedially sew. Like, I can fix a costume. Uh, but, yeah, I usually draw everything mm-hmm. and then send it to, I have a couple of designers. I have a designer in Austin, one in El Paso. Um, and I've worked with, you know, I've worked with B. Kala, who's in L.A., and it always starts off as a drawing. And I send it their way, and I'm like, what do you think about this? And they're like, yeah. And then, you know, they'll send back a drawing or, you know, I'll go in for a bidding. But it always comes from my imagination. So we do want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your time on Dracula, if that's okay. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So I know that the show had reached out to you previously to be on. What made you decide that now was the right time for you to compete? Um, It really honestly was... um, it's now or never. Like, if I'm not going to do it now, I don't think I'm ever going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was number one. And then also a friend of mine told me, like, you know, say yes to everything. Yeah. Like, you never know what path it will lead you. Um, but just say yes to everything. And so that's why I was like, you know what? Like, I feel I'm a strong enough drag performer and I can hold my own. And I feel like Louisiana has enough of a backstory and there's enough of, there's a well of inspiration for me to draw from, I feel. Yeah. Like now's the time to do it. And I knew that if I was going to do a drag competition show, it was only going to be Dracula. And we are glad that you said yes. And me like, too. <laughs> and during the competition, you were the most positive and supportive like person on the entire show how did you keep such a great attitude in like such a high stress environment the entire time i'm i'm gonna preface this by saying that i do don't i don't want this to come across that i didn't think anyone else was confident um but <laughs> i went in supremely confident in what i had to offer yeah as a yeah. drag performer i knew that no one else on that show or in the history of Dragula was offering exactly what I was offering. You know, it's that old saying, there's only one you, you know, it's true. And you really should draw confidence from that. There is, I knew that there was no one else like me. So that like instilled this like, you know, kind of confidence. You know, I didn't have the biggest costumes. I didn't have the biggest makeup. I didn't, but I knew that what I offered was different than what anyone else did. And I knew that I knew classic glamour and horror like no one else yeah. mm-hmm. on that cast did. So I, I, it was easy for me, you know, and then also just like being a human, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll admit it. My moves to Pisces, you know, yeah. um, I, I, I'm a, I'm an emotional person and I can't stand to see someone in pain, you know, emotional pain, physical pain. It doesn't matter. Like, for me, my job as another fellow human, you know, I want everyone lifted up. And so for me to console Yoska or to go to Violencia or just to be a positive person doesn't mean that I didn't go through uh, my own kind of like moments of being scared or nervous. You know, obviously you saw that in the freak show episode when I had to staple gun my leg. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry if there's spoilers, but y'all all should have watched by now. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, I was definitely scared. You know, I was, you know, I was, I was nervous to do that, but you know, that doesn't mean you can't be a kind person to other people. Yeah. 
you know, and, and honestly, I went on that show. I wanted to show what it was like backstage for me at drag shows. I've never really seen that, uh, you know, on TV. It's like, we're back there. We want to kiki. We want to have fun. We want to have a good time. We want to see the other girls perform. You know, I, I don't walk into a drag dress room and, you know, and I'm like, okay, fuckers, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I, I'm, I'm there to have a good time and to experience, you know, the beauty of drag. It was refreshing and, and, to see, like, uh, I don't know, sympathy and like people being supportive to one another. And yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad, you know, I basically wound the show, you know, you know, everyone's always afraid. How am I going to be edited? How am I going to be edited? Well, it's only what you give them. Yeah. You know, they can't create, they can't, they're not going to CGI your ass and <laughs> like, like put words in your mouth. They're only taking what you give them. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be supportive. Yeah. I'm going to be goofy. I'm going to say silly things. And, you know, it's going to be awesome. And it was, it was, it was very, very, very awesome. Yeah. If you're nice the whole time, they can't edit you to be mean. They can't. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there, there's a great saying too, that I think like wraps it, you know, like explains the whole thing nicely that kindness does not equal weakness. You know, just because someone's kind and supportive, it doesn't mean they're a weak person. Yeah. As you know, to me, it takes a, would say. Right? <laughs> right? Uh, but, yeah, it's like it takes a lot of strength to be kind. Yeah. You know, uh, to me, you're hiding a lot more insecurities by being me. And do you mind talking a little bit about the staple gun moment? Like, what, <laughs> what was going through your head knowing... That you're going I to pass out the answer. No. <laughs> uh, there was about yes. three more minutes of a fit that I threw that did not get aired, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, no, I was really scared. I yeah. was really scared only because I know how my body reacts to pain. You know, I mentioned it on the show. You know, when I go get tattooed, um, I always bring candy and like a soda. You know, I need sugar or my blood sugar will drop and I'll, I'll pass out. Yeah. Um, and that day I was in a 25, 24 inch corset all day long, did not eat like no, nothing in my body. And then you add that with the nerves and then realizing, Oh my God, I have like no sweets. I have like nothing. So I'm going to have to just do this. And on that sixth staple, like, my head spun and like I felt my ankle give in and all I did was I was like I don't want to break the stapler so I tried to set it down oh. <laughs> that is like the sweetest thing oh no so, and, and then next thing I know that next thing I know there's a chair like underneath me and like <laughs> Vander and the production are like around me and I'm like what the hell uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, they had, like, like juice and, like, candy for me to, like, get my blood sugar back up. And and I told Vander, I was like, you're going to have to take out the staples. Oh, and I made Vander take out all this. I don't think Vander revealed that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Vander, Vander took out every one of my staples. Oh, that is that really sweet cool. little witch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we watched her do her staple gun number a couple times, and it hurts to watch. So to actually do it... That sucks. It's like an intense sting. 
it's yeah. like a puncture and like a stinging. That's what really gets you. I, I, at least that's how it was for me. I have two lovely little staple wound scars on my thigh to remember it always. Oh, that's <laughs> badass, though. <laughs> Right, right. I love the thought of you like semi conscious, but like the staple gun is fine. Don't worry. <laughs> right. And it was the most beautiful like passing out fainting that they've ever seen. So there you go. <laughs> if you're going to pass out, pass out wearing three titties in gold belt. Why not? <laughs> Noted for future taking notes. Is there any of the exterminations that you would have refused to do? No. No. I would have, like, I, I would have been crying on the ver- like like I probably would have cried and then passed out before jumping out the plane but there was no <laughs> way like, like I or, or even like like drinking the blood um the tattooing one I would have definitely been fine yeah uh you know I have a ton of them so but uh but yeah no the definitely the jumping out of the plane like would have freaked me out. Uh, like I didn't want to go home. The air unconscious. Really, <laughs> which, when I was in bottom three for it, I was like really, really, really nervous. I was like, oh my God, here we go. First episode. Off to a great start, Louisiana. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I, you know, it's like what I said on the show, like, like failing was not an option for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was there. I really felt, um, like, and not in a negative way, but I felt the weight of the shoulders of my Austin drag community on me. And I really wanted to do well and to showcase, you know, the drag that we do here. And, and I really like took it as like, you know, this, this thing that I had to do, I had to make it to top three. I had to win. And and, and so there was nothing that was going to stop me from doing it, no matter how scared I was. You know, and then also, like, all the work going into getting ready for Dragula and all that stuff. Like, I just, I, I wasn't prepared to, like, not do something. What was your biggest takeaway from the whole Dragula experience? My whole takeaway from it was that I'm a lot stronger than I think I am. Um, I'm a lot more talented than I think. I I just walked away. I don't don't know. Whenever I go through something really hard emotionally or physically really hard, I always come out the other end, no matter the outcome, still feeling really good because I went through something hard. Um, I get a real sense of satisfaction from, you know, this sounds, you know, stupid, from completing a task, from knowing I finished something, I did something. Mm-hmm. And whenever I left Dragula, it felt like I went through drag boot camp and I came out the other end a, a stronger, more confident performer. Like, and not like in a gross, like, like way, but I felt like no one can tell me shit <laughs> because I've done this thing that only 10 other people have done in the world, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I walked away w- with, with even more of a sense of like self, who I wanted to be as a performer, what I wanted to present as a performer and just, and just pride, you know, obviously, you know, I went through, you know, a really hard time 
you know, getting exterminated at top four, you know, I, I really, I really, really, really wanted to be top three. Um, but, you know, after you deal with, you know, well, you were top four, you know, deal with it. You did really great, you know, and just, and just be proud of that. And, and, and then after I got over that, then, you know, it, it really is a badge of honor for me doing drag yoga for sure. Yeah. You should be proud of yourself. Yeah. You did better than most people. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I survived over half the cast. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, asked the social medias if they had any questions for you. And we have a couple. Yay. That we would okay, like to ask I'm from excited. your fans. Um, so at Batcave Freak on Twitter, <laughs> which I like the handle, um, wants to know who yeah. are your top three favorite witches in movies, TV, etc. Um, oh, okay. Top three witches. Um, definitely Nancy from The Craft. Iconic. Is one. Because she's batshit crazy and I love it. <laughs> um, let's see who else. Uh, oh, Angelique from Dark Shadows. Yes. Uh, the yeah, movie or the TV uh, show? A, both. Okay. <laughs> and, and the, the, from the Tim Burton movie all the way down. Like I gotcha. love Angelique, and I think she's an unsung hero. A lot of a lot of people don't mention Angelique. Um, and and quite honestly, from from movies like the main character from The Witch, like. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. That was that was one of my favorite films of that year. It's it's such a great film and I love it. So yeah, so Angelique, Nancy, and uh the the lead from The Witch. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. Thomason. I'm sure we can go Thomason. That's it. <laughs> Thomason from The Witch, yeah. Oh, can I have an honorable mention? No. Can I have a, <laughs> Sabrina from the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? Yeah, it's good. It's good. But my favorite character is Miss Wardwell. Yes, for sure. Better answer. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that, she is my ultimate favorite from that show um, because I modeled Louisiana partially after the comic book character, Madam Satan. Oh. So I, yeah, so I love Miss Wardwell. So Miss Wardwell, Nancy, Tomlinson, and Angelique. I'll, I'll do four. <laughs> we'll accept it. Okay. Next question is from Casket Fever on Twitter, and they asked, what would be your last meal? Um, my last meal would either be, like, as much sushi as I wanted to eat, okay. or anything with noodles. So it could be, like, <laughs> ramen, or it could be lasagna, or spaghetti, anything with, like, noodles, carbohydrates, comfort food. <laughs> I think ramen is the worst answer I've ever heard for that. <laughs> I just want noodles. <laughs> I want lasagna with sushi on top, please. Mm. Exactly. Done. I'll take it. <laughs> we um, actually got a lot of questions, but I liked Casket Fever's other ones, too, so we're going to use another of theirs. Um, okay, perfect. So they also want to know what your favorite song at the moment is, and then what is one that you can't stand? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> I like a lot of music, so there's not a lot that I can't stand. Um, but my favorite song at the moment, oh, my God, I have so many. Let me think here. Um, I think what is on my, 
Well, I'll tell you what's on my top 25 songs played. On my give Apple, us the whole on my list. Apple yeah, I'll give you like a synopsis. So there is, I think the number one song is by Beach House, um, who I love Beach House. Um, Orville Peck is on there. A lot of Lana, mostly right. my two favorites, <laughs> Money, Power, Glory. Good one. And Fucks My Way to the Top. Okay. Which I didn't get on Dragula that way, FYI. I know my own drag talent. Um, but yeah, um, a lot of Lana. Um, there's a, a really beautiful, great song by a singer named Elizabeth. And it, her, the song is called Beautiful Baby. And that's a really great song. Um, what else is on this? Uh, Boy Harsher is on there. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I... I it, you know what? If you want to make me happy, pop a fucking Lana Del Rey, baby. It's like, <laughs> I'm good to go. Like, I, it, the sun sets and rises on this Lana Del Rey Ray. It's true. Yeah. What's your favorite album? Oh, Ultraviolence. Okay. I'm a honeymoon it's girl. It's Ultraviolence and then Honeymoon. Okay. I'll take it. And then those are my top two favorite. I'll say that. Honeymoon and Ultraviolence are my top two favorite. And I know... Honeymoon is an unsung hero, <laughs> but it's better than Lust for Life, y'all. Yeah, yes, agreed, sure. agreed. 100%. Like, Lust for Life is my bottom Same. album, even though, yeah. like, um, Love and um, Lust for Life are on there, and also White Mustang, which are, like, three of my favorite long songs, but my number one favorite is Ultraviolence. Oh, my God, every single song on it is, like, amazing. And then Honeymoon is so dreamy. Yeah. Like, I just, I love it. Like, I, I don't like that people sleep on Honeymoon. Honeymoon's great. <laughs> you ignored this the second part of a lot of Del Rey fan podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we should just change it. <laughs> Not a Norman fucking Rockwell fan, I see. I, I do love, actually, one of my favorite songs to perform is Next Best American Record. That song is so fucking good. <laughs> that song is so good. It's great because it's really sad, and then it turns into, like, this, like, slow jam bop, and then it's, like, back to sad, and it's, like, it's every everything that's good about Lana in one song. Yeah. I also love Bartender. That's my least favorite on that song. Is the worst. Yeah. That's your least favorite. I um I do a monthly show called Sad Girls Only, and we only perform sad songs. We've actually had a Lana Del Rey night, but um yeah, I'll have to do bartender at Sad Girls Only. I I I don't know why. It's me. It's just it's 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 so pretty and sad. But yeah, next best American record is my favorite. It is good. So what are the songs you can't stand? You have to give us at least. You got to give us two something. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. Oh God, everyone's gonna hate me. Do you know an artist who I just I, I don't like at all? Who is Britney Spears? Ooh, controversial. <laughs> I know you heard it here first. Please don't tweet at me. Please don't DM me about this. Britney, Britney is also a listener. So. Oh, okay, well, Brittany, we're both from Louisiana, honey. I'm sorry, but I never got into Britney Spears. Like, I never, I never, I never did. Yeah, I mean, she's got one great song, and that's Slave for You. Mm. And, like, I don't know, Lucky's and, and, pretty and, good. You don't like Lucky? Which one? Lucky. I don't, I don't <laughs> lucky. Never mind. She's lucky I haven't heard it. <laughs> Brittany? Never heard of her. Weird. Don't know who that is. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, one... yeah, that, 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 she, that would be my least favorite. <laughs> okay, 
Maybe we'll cut that out. We might lose followers for that. So thanks. Okay. Um, and our last question that we have that we ask everybody, if tattoos were legal when you were 13, what would you have gotten that you would now regret? Oh my God. Definitely like a fucking Transformers or like E-Man <laughs> or like some stupid ass toy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like, I probably would have gotten, yeah, like, a Thundercat. <laughs> like a um, huge-ass Transformer on your back. A back piece. <laughs> a giant back piece of the entire Thundercat <laughs> cast <laughs> on my back. Yeah, no, it would have been a, something really, really god-awful like that. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I waited, and I'm glad they aren't legal at 13. But, yeah, yeah, it would have been, yeah, a, a toy related thing either that or madonna which and if it would have been madonna i guess that'd been okay i wouldn't i wouldn't have been too mad about it but yeah definitely like some stupid action figure or something i always say mine would have been like team edward on my forehead or something oh my god yes (laughs) that's amazing and it's surrounded by like like little sparkles yeah (laughs) just to if you're gonna do it you have to go all out so a Team Edward back piece. Yeah, I want a portrait of Robert Pattinson <laughs> on my ass. Yes. That has Team Edward and Comic Sans <laughs> around the top and, and sparkles. Then the like link to my and tumbler. <laughs> for every sparkle, you have to have a dermal put in. So it's an actual jewel that sparkles. This was so much fun. So um just to wrap up, what advice would you give to future performers? across all advice I would give to future performers is honestly what I said earlier. There's only one you as long as you are completely like open and, 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 and authentic, like show me what you're into. I don't care. Like I know every kind of beginning drag performer, like looks up or kind of like takes from other Queens, but what is, exciting for me and like what I really want to stress is like do you do what makes you happy do what makes you want to continue doing drag that's good yeah, that's that is solid. good advice because yeah. it's hard to remember that and like not compare yourself to people constantly people who are doing better than you so oh it's true it, it, it you know that really you know that that is a, a real thing you know as an artist all artists like at moments we compare ourselves to other artists we look at what other artists are doing. Like, why am I not doing that? Um, you know, one of my absolute, my end all be all favorite drag queen is Violet Chotsky. I think she is, she's everything. Just like, I won't even go into it because it'll be probably a longer rant than about Lana. But just like <laughs> her attention to detail is something that yeah. I strive for, you know? Um, but I'm not going to sit around all goddamn day comparing myself to Violet Chachi, honey. I got, I got shit to do. I have my <laughs> own thing and I think I offer something very different, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and very special, you know, than for example, than, than say Violet. Um, so you can't go around comparing yourself all day cause you'll never get anything done. Yeah, I have to schedule that in. Once <laughs> once a week, I'll compare myself to Violet Chachki for about two hours, and then I move on. Perfect. <laughs> that's what I do, and then I'm done the rest of the week. So good. We'll be on the same schedule. We'll 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 sync them up. It'll be <laughs> perfect. <laughs> All right. So I know everyone needs to look out for your new music. 
Theremin Projects, where can everyone find you on social media? Plug it. So you can find me on Instagram, and it's at Louisiana Purchase, and I rant about this. It's spelled L-O-U-I-S-I-A-N-N-A-P-U-R-C-H-A-S-E. Um, so that's Instagram, and on Twitter, I'm at Madam L Purchase. Uh, someone says Louisiana Purchase, go figure. Uh, <laughs> so that's why I'm at on Twitter. And uh, and Facebook, you have to search my boy name. I ain't going to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, Instagram is my most active form of social media. I post on there, like, anything you want to know, it's going to be on there probably first. Sick. Perfect. Cool. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, I had a great time. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye.